Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hey, this is Ryan. Hey, this is Chuck. We're in Black Top Mojo. You're listening to Guitar Talk with Jimmy Warren. All right, everybody. Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in again this Wednesday. I tell you what, it's going to get wild and hairy here today. I've got Diamond Row. That's right, Diamond Row, the guitarist, lead guitarist for Tetrarch. They're a uh, up-and-coming metal band. They're up-and-coming. Oh my God! They're, I mean, they've already got millions of views on their on their new uh, video single called "I'm Not Right." They were just signed in the Palm uh, Records. Uh, I tell you what, she was actually voted one of the top ten best metal guitarists in the world, and she has actually been featured in several. Uh, guitar magazine, including Premier Guitar. Uh, she's really talented, and uh, she's actually a lot of fun to talk with because, you know, um, it's it's really cool to see somebody this young so passionate about playing guitar and about, about the guitar itself. And so we had a really good conversation. I think you're going to enjoy this a lot because... Uh, you know, it, it's it was really fun, you know, just to chat with, you know, a young woman that is into this so, so heavily and is already getting all these accolations. You know, they launched a band in around 2007. You know, they hit their area in Atlanta really hard with a lot of shows and began to sprout out. And uh, now, you know, now they're huge. So here we go. Diamond Row with Tetrarch. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. Sorry about that. I don't know how it happens, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was. I guess I just had to plug it, unplug and plug back in my interface, I guess. So that was oh, weird. Wow. But sorry about that. Crisis averted. That's that's cool. That's cool. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. I got to, you know, if you don't mind, we're going to start off by playing a little uh, a contest. Because okay. as you can see, I'm an old guy. And what I think is metal and what you think is metal might be two completely different things. I okay. hope not, but it might be. So I'm going to I'm going to give you the name of a few bands and you tell me whether or not you would categorize them as metal. Okay. Okay. Metallica. That's my all time favorite band. Look, come on. Look at that. Uh, Okay. I mean, come on. All right. How about (laughs) Judas Priest? Of course. Okay. And Ozzy Osbourne. Absolutely. All right. So with with all that said, it's got to make you feel pretty damn good to be considered one of the top 10 best metal guitar players in the world when you're in the same world, you know what I mean? It's Kirk Hammett and Zach Wild. Yeah. And uh, the guys, you know, Glenn Tipton and KK Downing and the guys from Priest. That's got to make yeah. you feel really good. It's crazy. I mean, we didn't even, we had no idea we were even going to be in the running for that, that nothing like our, my publicist, emailed us and was like hey you guys made it on this list and we're like wait what you know like so it's pretty crazy and looking at you know everybody on the list you know deftones and like 
you know lamb of god and other bands like that that we grew up you know like learning to play guitar to and looking up to it's pretty crazy and 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 looking at the company we share it's like it would be really hard to end up on that list by chance just on accident you know so we it definitely is uh it's a surreal experience you know it's got to make you feel good though because if i'm correct you started the band in around what 2008 2000 i think we played our very first show as tetrarch um 2007 in like november of 2007 or something like that we were in high school yeah. so. so you're talking 13 years you're in high school and you go from that and now you're you know what on uh nepal records was that it napalm yeah napalm, that's it mm-hmm. napalm records which you're in great company there of course mm-hmm. yeah of course i mean it, that was really cool it was unexpected um we had planned to actually release this upcoming record we have you know independently because we've we were always a band that like we had offers and we had a lot of label interest but we were that band like we weren't desperate for the funding like we kind of had it so it was like we wanted to wait to be able to get the type of deal that we wanted you know um, before we signed with anybody and napalm was a it was kind of it was kind of a surprise but they've been amazing like you know gave us everything we wanted in our deal pretty much and just have been so um just like cooperative with us we're a very hands-on band so they've been super cooperative with like everything that we want to do and very open to everything that we want to do so it's been a good partnership so far yeah that's that's really cool i'm just saying it's got to it's got to make you feel good though in oh, such, yeah. in a short such a short period of time because from what if, if i understand correctly the history that i've read ar- around you in the band mm-hmm. it's like you pretty much bombarded the atlanta area it sounds like you hit that area really, really hard trying to build a mass following as quickly as possible. We did. We When we started playing in high school, we basically like, you know, which I think it's like, it sucks that like bands, like younger bands don't get to experience this like we did. Like we were kind of the last wave of like bands like like with that didn't like rely on just the internet and they got out and just like played, you know? And like, so we we didn't really even care about building a fan base at that time. We just like love to play. So we would like go out and we would play literally like there was a venue in like the boonies of Georgia that we would play all the time called insomnia, like in Villarica, Georgia. And we would play there probably two to three times every weekend. So like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, same venue. Like we didn't care. And we look back now and we're like, man, that's so dumb. But you know, at the time it was like, I, now I'm kind of glad as well because we learned how to be a band like we learned how to play a show right um, and we basically did that with a lot of venues around Atlanta just like we didn't care how many times we played it in any span of time we just wanted to play as much as possible and I'm really glad we did that because we learned a lot from just from doing that for you know a few years you know right and, and you know what and that's better than than woodshedding your own basement yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, we, we did that too. Don't get me wrong, but <laughs> but uh, we moved away from the basement after a little bit. Yeah. So so in in order to to get to the place to where you were starting to draw attraction, mm-hmm. you know, from labels and from other people in that, did you guys start to just take small steps outside of your city, or did you just go full bore and just try to you know like maybe tour the East Coast and you know live out of a van for a while and how how did how did it how did it work to you 
for you guys to expand out? Uh, so it was interesting. We started, so we played like a lot of local shows. And I think like we might've played a couple shows in like North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that. Maybe a couple in Florida, but um, I went to college. I went to university of Alabama. Josh went to Georgia state. So it was like, we were there. I was there for about a year. We both were like, didn't go back, but um, <laughs> we basically like, I would drive home to Atlanta. It was about a three hour drive every weekend. So like, I did not like embrace the college life much. It was just all about the band still, yeah. um, but we hadn't toured yet, but like, you know, extensively. Um, but that was actually the first time we got like label interests. Like when we were 18, uh, Roadrunner Records contacted us and like, that was kind of the shift for us you know when that happened it was kind of out of the blue and we were like oh man you know maybe we are going to be able to take this to another level that we you know had hoped but we didn't know when that would happen um so then I believe it was like that might have been a year or two later we did our first tour uh we did we toured the east coast and it was like I booked it all on myspace you know (laughs) and it was like (laughs) I was just yeah exactly I was just emailing venues and you know like when you book a tour DIY you know you're like trying to pick cities that are like pretty close to each other you know you know Atlanta then you go Columbia South Carolina then you go you know Richmond all that kind of stuff but what sucks when you're like a smaller band that no one's ever heard of is like promoters don't answer you so it's like you'll get a show in Atlanta but then then you'll have this tour routed how you want to do it but like it never ends up that way because you might have no one answer you in South Carolina or North Carolina. So you're basically making a jump from Atlanta to Detroit or something, you know? (laughs) So like our tour ended up being like that with like a ton of days off, you know, because like, you know, you just, you do what you can, but I think we ended up playing like maybe 15, 16, maybe 17 shows or something up the East coast, New York and back down. Um, And that was our first tour. And it was like one of the funnest times I've ever had in my life. Yeah. But I think that was like our first tour, real tour experience. And I think that was in um, 2011. So yeah. that was kind of what opened the floodgates of us being like, okay, now we can go out and start touring yeah. a bit. Um, but before that, it was kind of just, re- we stayed regional or stayed in Georgia. Yeah. It, it, it's hard. It's hard for a young band, you know, to, to uh, you know, to make those kinds of moves because there is so much competition, you know. And nowadays, it seems like uh, a, a major part of the industry, you know, has these requirements that they're looking for now in bands mm-hmm. before they'll even consider them, you know, mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Versus the days of old when I was young and not so gray, where they would mm-hmm. they would take a chance you know, mm-hmm. on something that they saw talent in. Cause I, I know even now as, as myself, as I play and, and tour and things like that, it's still really, really hard. You yeah. Know? It's really hard. And, uh, and it's, it's interesting. Cause I think like times have just changed so much to where like now there's such a oversaturation of bands too, mm-hmm. that it's like, and they can easily just put themselves on the internet that there has to be kind of something that, you know, sets them apart you got bands kind of have to do it themselves now first before they gain the attention of other people like you know 20 30 years ago was like not everybody had access to every label or like mtv or music videos you know only the supreme even had music videos you know and now it's like 
anyone can make a music video and put it online and it's just like it's such a saturation that I think it's a little bit harder um and labels also aren't spending that kind you know the money like they were back then to really raise uh smaller bands you know the way they used to it used to be like you get signed and like man you got you made it but now it's like you really got to do it yourself but that was kind of good for us because we we were down for the challenge kind of like you know we were like yeah we'll do it you know we heard so many no's (laughs) like people don't understand that it was like years and years of like we and it was kind of like dangling a carrot on a stick for us because it was like we were that band that every label knew about and every label wanted to talk to metal label for a long time but it was always like this thing where it was like they wanted to talk and they wanted more demos and they wanted more songs you know before they would pull a trigger and like we got to a point where we were just like dude we're not gonna play this game anymore we're gonna go we're gonna do you know everything on our own we're gonna build ourselves up and eventually things will fall into place Right. And I mean, boy, did they, but like, you know, we had to learn that sometimes like they don't always know either, you know, <laughs> they're just right. like guessing. Right. So like kind of got to know for yourself now. So like I say all that to say, like having confidence in your own band and doing what you know is good for your own band now and just kind of building yourself is kind of the way of the land now. But in some regards, it, it's kind of a positive. So. Yeah. Yeah, because you know people people in the industry, man, they come and go. I worked in in the te- uh, television for for a while, and and you know people at networks and at different production companies. I mean, you talk to one person one day, and the next day they're gone. Mm-hmm. They're over here at this company here. And so, have you had any issues with that when it comes to the companies that you're working with, or is everybody pretty stable? Um, the ones that are like on our direct team are pretty stable um like you know there's like when we like i said roadrunner was the first label that ever contacted us as a band their team is completely different now than it was when that happened like you know when they contacted us that was considered like the heyday of roadrunner records when they were signing like slipknot and and all those bands um but they got bought out and like pretty much that entire team is now at other labels and all that. So it's not the same. So, and there's some management companies that we talked to back, you know, years ago that have dissembled, you know, and they were like, um, you know, big guys at the time, you know, so it is, you do, it is a industry where like people come and go quite, quite often, you know? So, so, so let's, let's talk about your plan Mm -hmm. now. In the early days of, you know, being interested in playing guitar and and wanting to play guitar, did you have a variety of influences uh, in your musical life or has it always been kind of uh, hard rock and and metal? So to be honest, before I was maybe 11, I always just listened to like popular music. Like, so I was always into you know anything you would hear on like pop and hip-hop radio or anything like that um but I I moved schools like I went to a private school my parents put me in private school and like I uh had a friend that was a little older than me and you know like you kind of look up to people that are older than you when you're a kid I think it might have been 10 or 11 or something and she was like really into like Pearl Jam and like Nirvana and like you know 
just band band Soundgarden, bands like that. So she was always talking about Kurt Cobain, always talking about a guy named Kurt Cobain. And I was like, I need to go listen to whatever this is that she's always talking about. So I went and I bought um, the Nirvana Unplugged, like the MTV Unplugged. Right. I bought that and then I happened to buy a system of a down CD with it or something like that because I was like, oh, this cover looks cool. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I went home and I listened to a lot of Nirvana and like that kind of got it started for me when I was 11, like just listening. I only listened to Nirvana for like a year and I would turn on rock radio because I was like, okay, I really kind of want to learn about this music. Like I like it. It's fitting for me. It's different. I've always been weird and different. So yeah. I, uh, I started listening to, to rock radio and learning about just different bands like, you know, Linkin Park and all the bands they were playing at that time. Um, so, yeah, like that kind of started it for me. And then I started just going heavier and heavier. Like I pretty quickly found Metallica, which became like my all time favorite band still is I think around like 12 or 13. And from there, it was like Megadeth and Judas Priest and Pantera. And, you know, I never looked back from that point. Um but it was like I start when I started playing guitar um, and I started getting into the Zach Wilds and the dime bags and all of that. Yeah. Um, that really, like I said, that solidified it for me. I was really into guitar music at that point. And my brother used to always be like, this is just a phase. And I like now, 20 years later, I'm like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that was a phase. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it, it started with just like popular music. But once I found hard rock and metal, that was that was it. You know, yeah. I never turned back. Yeah. So, so did your family, I mean, you just mentioned your brother and that, but did your parents think, okay, she's just going off. We got to get her in, you know, therapy. We got to get, <laughs> you know what I mean? Got no, my parents are super cool. Like my dad, uh, he's been in the music business for like 40, 50 years, 40 years or so. Oh. So like, he's been, he's been around it. He's like an arena tour promoter. And generally he does, you know, like he did Michael Jackson and Prince and a lot of stuff like that. So he, he knew nothing about metal like he's yeah. learned from me and in the beginning he was a little like like what is this you know my mom on the other hand her side of the family is like very musical like they all they all can sing really well she has an amazing voice um but she was the one that was a little more stoked about it like she was like excited that I had found something that I was so into you know she would take me to like my guitar lessons and she would like take me to hot topic and like we would buy like hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of band t-shirts just because like <laughs> I think she was literally just really stoked that I had found like something I had like immense passion in like before that it was softball but that's like a kind of like a different type of thing right. um so she would take me there and like we would just hang out there for hours and just you know whatever but like she was the one that was more excited about it like she started she came to all of our early shows, like, you know, all of them. When we would play, like, little tiny places in front of nobody, like, she came. Like, before my dad even, like, registered that, like, you know, any of this was even legitimate, you know, like, she would go and my dad would just stay home or whatever. Um, but, yeah, no, they, like, they had their rate of, like, supportiveness like my my mom was supportive from the beginning like she you know she was all about it my dad was too but he just wasn't he knew nothing about if it wasn't like Metallica or the Rolling Stones or Ozzy or something like that he knew nothing about like the other stuff so he but now like we talk every day he manages us so he like calls us and we talk about you know <laughs> all sorts of bands I would have never even thought he would know now you know now it's just part of everyday conversation <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool yeah, it's really cool. Your mom was probably living vicariously through you at that time. 
Maybe but, so. Yeah. yeah he was. <laughs> I wish that was me. You know, it's like <laughs> really cool. You know, it's like, I, I, you know, as a player myself, I've gone through so many stages over the years of, of influence. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I, when I was young, it was all rock, you know, it was right. all the classic stuff. It was a Zeppelin and the stones and Hendrix and all that kind of stuff. Right. It, but as time went on, the, the next step for me was actually, it was in the metal. And then back then it was uh, like metal church and King diamond and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anthrax and Metallica was just coming out as well. And, and stuff like that. But, but since then the progression has been, you know, into, you know, jazz and roots and Americana and blues and, you know, all this other stuff. Right. And so do you see yourself, you know, can you see yourself at some point, you know, as a guitar player, mm-hmm. you know, uh, diving into some of these other areas to maybe take your playing to uh, another level or a more so, you rounded know, as a player? I'm still very much into like every type of music i yeah. listen to, I, my i listen you know metal and hard rock is like my mainstay that's just right. my number one but i would listen to everything like i listen to charlie daniels i listen to freaking little john Mayer, literally everything like there's nothing off limits for me um people are always like you are the strangest person but <laughs> because like i'll listen to country and i'll listen to, i listen to everything um and you know it's cool sometimes to just play those things you know like jam too because like when I learned guitar I learned I took lessons for a couple years but I really learned by playing to my favorite songs like I wasn't like a theory person Mm -hmm. um I learned to just if I heard a song I loved I learned it you know and so and just by doing that I learned different techniques and different ways of playing guitar um I have recently been like you know what I need to go learn this country song I need to do this or do that just to learn different things, you know, because right. I've just been playing metal and hard rock so long. And I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. That's where I make my career. That's the music right. I love. Those are the crowds I love to play for. I love my band. Um, but just for fun, you know, just to like learn these things that maybe, you know, who knows how they can sneak in to our music and, you know, whatever. I'm totally open for that. I love guitar and just, I, I play what feels good. You know, I'm not like a, Oh, I only have to, can play this because it's you know 200 bpm or whatever no i'm not you know i'm not like that so yeah i love i i find it i always find it interesting because there's a lot of players out there that are let's say known in a genre and when you're known in a genre that's your lane you got to stay in that lane in the public eye for the most part Mm -hmm. right but you find out that there's a lot of people that are they they've got their own lane but when you get them aside you know what I mean? And you just start talking guitar. You get a guy like, let's say, John Five. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's a he's, he's a always chicken picking, though. You know, he's into some other stuff. <laughs> he's an amazing player. You know yeah. what I mean? And that, it, but he's got his lane. Sure, you know, for I mean? sure. yeah. he's definitely got his lane, and he's got his sound and his style, just like just like you do. Mm-hmm. And so, what makes up that 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 sound that you have now? I notice that you play, you know, ESP and you know LTD guitars. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing that by looking at the guitars, you probably have EMG 84s and 85s. Those are your pickups. It might, I feel like I, I know I have 57, 66, and a couple, and then I have okay. an 80. I feel like it's 81, 85, and some in the others. But you okay. might you might be right. Who knows? Now yeah. I have to go check. <laughs> 
They're, you know, they're great. Those are great pickups. I used to be endorsed by EMG myself. They're mm-hmm. really good pickups. Oh yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so I, I guess it, that's the, that's the guitar that feels comfortable to you. Yeah. You know, I, for my 13th, it was either birthday or for Christmas. Thir- thir- I don't know. Sometime when I was 13, my parents got me a Gibson Les Paul standard as one of my gifts and so that kind of started my love affair with, you know, the Les Paul shape. Right. And it's interesting because there's, as like a, a lead guitar player, there's so many guitars that are like easier to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like that might have a deeper cut, you know, or whatever to access those higher frets and anything like that. You know, a lot of like lead guitar players, you know, other than like your Zach Wilds and stuff, they don't really choose like Les Pauls. But for me, I love them because like, they are a little harder to play for that kind of stuff. And I feel like it doesn't let me be lazy. Like, I feel like I can play those and I have to play them hard um, mm-hmm. to like do what I want to do on them. And I know that's really weird, but like, I really, I like that. I like like that little bit of stubbornness from that guitar. Yeah. Um, whereas when, when I put on like, you know, if I just, uh, just a, like a dinky or something, you know, it's like, it feels so easy to me. I feel like I could just be like, <laughs> you know, just like yeah. chill and play it, which most guitar players, I told you I'm not very normal. Most guitar players that are normal, they prefer that. They want something that's a lot easier, a lot smoother. But for me, I feel like I just, I like to beat up my guitars and I like to play hard. Yeah. And I feel like that guitar like makes me do that. So like, I've always just like gravitated back towards that. Other than like just loving like the classic shapes more, yeah. I'm more of a classic shape player. Um, I, That's just something I've always loved about those guitars. And I even... A lot of times, to, and it's probably because I started on the Gibson Les Paul. I think it was like I—I I think it might be because of that. Like, I like thicker necks on my guitars oh, okay. too. Um, just like when I strap on a guitar before I play a show, I like—I like like heavy weighted guitars. Like, <laughs> I, it's you know, like it's everything no one else would like. But I like when it's like heavy. I like when I feel like I just like put on some kind of weapon to go to war or something. You know, I like to feel it on me. Um, I don't like light guitars when I put them on and just swing them around everywhere. I just, I can't, I don't like it. But so I guess all of that to say like, you know, eclipses and Les Pauls kind of have that, especially the CTM ESPs. They're like the kind of like the thick body and all of that. Yeah. Um, I just gravitate towards those. And even when I try like to go with another shape, I might play it in the studio or I might play it at home. But when I get on stage, I always go back to those. Yeah. Well, we, we, we tend to find out that, uh, each guitar, you know, uh, makes us play in a different way. In other words, mm-hmm. it's like you pro you approach a Telecaster completely different than you mm-hmm. approach a flying V. Of course. Right. You know, you're yep. playing, it's just different. It's not too many people, regardless of who it is that that is. And I can understand what you're saying with the Les Paul. I mean, it's an iconic, you know, it, it definitely screams rock, you know, it definitely screams. Oh, yeah you know, in your face because, you know, that's the kind of guitar it was really meant to be. I, I think. Yeah. And I like, I was a huge fan of Slash. Like yeah. when I was learning guitar, a humongous fan of Slash. So like that might also be part of it. You know, there's different things that might be part of it, but yeah, there's just something about it that it just like, it feels like the guitar that I'm supposed to play. Like when I put it on, it just feels right. And maybe cause I've been playing them for, you know, 15, 16 years or whatever. Um, but yeah. I just love them. So now, uh, what are you what are you going into? Um, you know, I know a lot, a lot of people in 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 
and uh, some of the harder bands and that have switched over and are using Kemper heads now. Mm-hmm. Is that what I, you're using too? No. Okay. <laughs> so, we're so old school. We, uh, my other guitar player. No, no, no. I like you know, he, he like, you know, we, we, he's thought about going digital and we've, we've, we've thought about it, but I can't, I love having a head. Like there's something about, like I told you, I'm like, I'm so old school in the sense. Like I like feeling that like power and that, like that, like, rumble when you play a guitar when you have a head um, versus digital and like I also you know it's the same with it's just I also like there's something about I don't want to take away the personality of the player like so for me like digital like you have I mean it's it's an amp sim like you you have to be good it's going to sound like what you're playing but I feel like there's so many things that are making everything so perfect that it's like I love having a head that like there can be a little flaw in there or something you know and it's like but it might you know show the character of the player a little bit more um I don't know I just really like the feeling of having a head like I just I do and I love the way it sounds we play uh EVH so Josh has a 5153 and uh I played the the EL34 version okay um and you know before that I played Mesa so I just I really like like super high gain amps and just EVH right. they treat us so good now and like those amps sound amazing in the studio and yeah. live I just you know I just have no reason to switch over maybe like you know even maybe if we go overseas or something and we need to we do like a amp profile of it on a Kemper or something like that and take it over there because right. it might be cheaper or something but you know as of now I like I like just my regular head. <laughs> I, I love the feel of the the air being pushed through the exactly ears on the back of your legs. You know, mm-hmm. as you're as you're playing, you, you can't you can't replace that. No, you're, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So when you're going in the studio, you're doing it old school too, right? You're just you're so not yeah. using any digital stuff in the studio on the albums. Well, what we might do is like we might have like a Kemper profile of the amp that we use. Um, right. I know we've done that sometimes. We've done both, so we've reamped through the the amps. We've also used a Kemper, and we've also blended. So, either one, but generally it's always as close to that sound of the EVH or what we play live as as possible. Right. Um, yeah. So, but it, if it is a Kemper, it's like a mix of a Kemper and like the actual. Yeah, you know, you know, an amp that you really ought to check out sometime is the Friedman. Yeah, I've heard about yeah, that. Yeah, Friedman is. I mean, you got to have high gain, right? You got to yeah. have power. You know, that's what you need, and and that's exactly what the Friedman is, man. It's a that's a killer. And I'm a gain fanatic. Like I just love, like you know, I <laughs> I love gain, and it's not like to cover up anything. Or I just love right. the sound of just really gainy amps, and like there's something about like i don't like when like super clean like like chunky amps like for when we're playing like tetrarch music you know right, right. not just jamming so like anything that can that can handle like super high gain but still have some clarity and stuff to it that i'm all about it <laughs> that, was, that was one of the things i noticed i think it was uh uh oddity mm-hmm it was a song oddity. I was listening to it earlier. And when you went to do, you know, that little solo part that you did in there, mm-hmm. that was really cool because I mean, it was, it was really tasteful. It it had the gain that you're talking about, but yet it was mm-hmm. crystal clear. You could hear yeah. everything, you know, really, really nice, which, which I really, I personally appreciate. 
Yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a fuzz person or a person that likes it when it's just so muddied up. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when you're talking about a solo part, but you did a really good job on that. I mean, it sounded really nice. Really. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. So are you are you a gearhead? I mean, do you got, you know, guitars and pedals and amps? Do you dream of it? Do you go, I can't wait till the day that I'm like Jimmy Warren and I've got 70 guitars laying around my house. <laughs> you, know? I, you know, I'm a I love guitars. Like I love yeah. guitars. Like I can't wait to have hundreds of guitars. Yeah. As far as like gearhead, like my other guitar player, Josh, is probably like he's more of a gearhead. Like he can sit in our practice space and like tinker with pedals and amps and stuff all day long i'm not that person i'm very much like i'm that person that if i get my rig set up the way that i love it and it's like it works for me i will literally use that rig for like 10 years (laughs) like that's that's i don't tinker i'm not i'm like a don't fix with not broke type person um but you know as far as like if i if i have a love for anything gear wise it's like guitars like i I can't wait to have, you know, actually I was just talking to, you know, cause EVH is part of Fender. Like right. I just want to have like a, a Strat and some Telecasters too here just to have, you know, to mess around with stuff like that um, is my, uh, more of my alley than like, you know, just yeah. like guitar nerds. <laughs> you know, I just, lo- I love playing the guitar more than I like, you know, I guess that's the way my brain works. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, some people like it where I just want something simple where I can get what I need to get and I need to get it quick so I can just focus on playing the music. Yeah, absolutely. And then there's other people like me that go, well, I'll tell you what, we got 60 pedals here. Let's go through them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that's more Josh. Like, And he doesn't have like a lot of patience for many things, but for some reason he could sit down in front of a pedal board for like four hours and just like, check every cable and go through every pedal and i'm just like dude call me when you're done you know (laughs) that's that's cool and so you 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 said earlier that that uh that you took some lessons so Mm -hmm. but it sounds to me like you're pretty much self-taught you know I, i took lessons for so when i told my mom i wanted to play guitar um she went and bought me like this like johnson like this knockoff telecaster and i got i got that and i took started lessons that same day and i I would take them once a week you know for about i feel like it might have been about a year and then i switched over to another teacher for about a year so i think i took him for about two years and that really just got me going like it taught me all the basics like tunings and changing strings and how to just play basic things my first lesson he asked me like what kind of stuff do you like to play and I think he taught me the riff to crazy train the yeah. riff to understand man stuff like that so it's kind of about becoming more familiar with the guitar yeah um but then after that yeah I basically was self-taught kind of after that it it but like I said it was mainly me learning songs I love you know but I didn't put the guitar down like I would play it from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, or if I had school, pick it up right when I got home from school and not put it down before bed. So even if I was just like playing through, you know, Dave Mustaine parts or something like that, yeah. it was like c- consistent all day long. So it was like, you can't help but get better just yeah. having the guitar in your hand for 12 hours a day. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I like self-taught myself. And then at that point, it kind of progressed into me starting the band. So I was playing a lot, just even if it was writing music or playing shows with Tetrarch or jamming in the basement, it's just a guitar was in my hand for every day for so many hours, you know? So 
and I never had like an awkward phase of guitar. You know, like you you'll give someone a guitar sometimes and they'll be like, teach me this. And like, they hold it wrong. And the picks like all like, you know, I, I never had that. It's weird. I never had that moment. Like it was always pretty comfortable to me in my hand. The pick was always comfortable to me in my hand and stuff. So I, I didn't have to go through that learning curve or anything. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. That's really cool. And so what is the band doing right now? I mean, I know life's crazy and everybody's, you know, in hunkered down in their basements and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you guys doing? I mean, you guys, you know, working on on some stuff for a new new album, or so we had finished our album Unstable um, in February, so, and then we recorded the video for I'm Not Right, right. and all of that, and then everything shut down like literally like a couple weeks later, like a week later after we shot our video. So we weren't sure what we were going to do. The album was supposed to come out in the summer. Right. But obviously everything got mixed around. We signed to Napalm, the pandemic. We couldn't tour, all of that. So we put out the one single, I'm Not Right. And we didn't expect it to do... I mean, we always hope that it does super well, but it did even better than we expected, and it crossed over. Like, it ended up going to Active Rock Radio, um, hit Top 30 there, Just and it's still going. Seven months later, however long it's been, it's like that song is still producing for us. Like, it's it's crazy. And for, like, a heavy song you know usually it's like four to six weeks then you move on to the next but like this song is still going and it's crazy like just with all the xm support so it's like that kind of carried us till now and then after the holidays we'll be releasing like the album release date finally the next single um pre-orders and everything just to launch to launch that new album that has been done for a year now but um it's just kind of getting through this holiday season and hopefully that'll lead us into when we'll be able to start touring and playing. Hopefully, you know, if things start looking a little bit better. Um, but it's really just preparing for that. This whole shutdown, we've been working on that. Like it hasn't really been much different for us. Cause we're, like I said before, we're so hands-on anyways with the business side of our band that every day we're on the phone talking to our PR or marketing team or the label or something, just planning and preparing for, this record and this album cycle you know we hope that it's one of the biggest hard rock metal albums of 2021 and we've been working on it to make sure that it is that so um we've been busy we've been staying very busy and in between that we've been just getting practices in and stuff like usually when we have tours and stuff coming up we practice every day um six days a week i should say but right now we're doing maybe three to four just like make sure we stay you know right somewhat show ready um because we don't like to fall that far behind but but yeah it's been we've been staying busy just as usual we there hasn't been any you know we kind of just decided we needed to adapt to like what was going on and but we didn't want to lose time you know so we just did what we could um with the situation at hand and it actually has been it's amazing to say like probably one of the best years this band has ever had as far as gross concerned you know and especially just from one single it's been it's been amazing honestly yeah, that's really good. I'm glad you're having that success. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you know I, uh, Diamond, I appreciate you taking, you know, a few moments to to chat with me. And of course, let my listeners know more about your band. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the success. You know, I, I hope I hope this this release in 2021, you know, goes farther than you thought it would go. I do too. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's been a blast. <laughs> yeah, so you have a good holiday. 
Thank you. You too, bud. All right. You take care, okay? All right. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, so there you go. That was Diamond Row with Tetrarch. Uh, the new single, which you just heard just a, barely a piece of, is called I Am Not Right. Uh, and uh, I got questions about the vocalist now after watching that video. <laughs> They're a great band, though. They really are. And uh, she was super to have on the show. So I want to thank Diamond Row and the band Tetrarch. And uh, make sure that uh, you're going to their website at tetrarch.com, that you're following them on social media, and you're checking out uh, their new release. They got a new album that's going to come out in 2021. You know, and hopefully when things open back up, they're going to hit the road. So keep an eye out on for them. Okay, now you know what? In just two days, I've got a special show that we're going to release an interview with Kim Simmons of Savoy Brown. That's right. I mean, these guys have released about six million records, <laughs> or at least it feels that way. You know, Savoy Brown's been around forever. Uh, great guy to talk to, uh, really passionate and loves what he does. Uh, he's like a piece of musical history that I really enjoyed uh, talking to. So tune in on the 18th, Friday the 18th at 3 p.m. across all streaming platforms and, of course, at JimmyWarrenOfficial.com for an interview with Kim Simmons of Savoy Brown. Until then, I want to thank you very much for tuning in to Guitar Talk. Watch out for our brand new website that launches on January 1st. A lot of great things going on there. You're going to see it. It's going to be really, really cool. And the new YouTube channel, or at least all the shows, I should say, will be on the YouTube channel and launch. Actually, this program with Diamond Row will actually be on YouTube uh, Wednesday, tomorrow. Yeah, today. Today. Yeah, it's today. Yeah. You can go there now. What the hell are you doing? Go. <laughs> all right. All right, Jimmy Warren here, Guitar Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. Y'all have a great day. See you.